This is Joan Boney speaking. I had a dental appointment on Monday. I'm usually not afraid when I have a dental appointment. For about four years, ever since I've been in Colorado, I have gone to the same dentist, and she never causes any pain, and everything always works out great. But the previous time I was at her office, she came in after I'd had my teeth cleaned to examine my teeth, and something she said troubled me very greatly. She said I needed two fillings, but one of them might be a problem because it was next to a bridge that I have. And she wasn't sure she could do the filling without destroying the bridge. So there might be a complication. When I left, I was really troubled. I turned to God. I said, I'm really disturbed about this dental appointment, this next appointment a month from now, which was Monday, the previous Monday. I talked to God about it. I didn't hear anything to do. I continued to dread that dental appointment. And when you have dread, I know you have to pray. You mustn't try to ignore dread. It's a sign that you need to pray. I still hadn't heard anything from God. But I awoke the day of the appointment, or the day before, knowing what to do. I knew God had shown me what to do. Instead of having both of those fillings done the same day, ask the dentist if I could have only one of them filled and then make another appointment to have the other filled. God didn't explain to me why we were doing it that way, but that worked. After I heard from God and was sure it was God and knew what to do, I didn't have any more dread. As we drove to the dental appointment, I was thinking about how wonderful it was that I had no fear, I had no dread, I didn't mind going at all. When I got to the office, the assistant took me into the room where the dentist would be doing the work. And I told the, the assistant that if the dentist didn't mind, I would like to have only one tooth worked on that day and make an, an appointment to have the other tooth filled later. When the dentist came into the room, she said, that's fine with me. And it turned out that she is going on a maternity leave in three weeks. I didn't even know anything about this. I haven't seen that dentist in a long time. I've been to have my teeth cleaned, but the dentist doesn't 
come in necessarily when I had my teeth cleaned, I had no idea that she was in this situation. I told her I didn't care which tooth she worked on. And she said, well, I'd like to do the one on the upper first because it's really hard for me to bend over and work on the lower teeth. And I said, oh, fine, it doesn't matter to me which one you do. Well, the upper happened to be the one next to the bridge, which she had warned me might be a problem. But it wasn't a problem. She did the work. The bridge did not have to be removed. I had no fear, no doubt, no problem. Why? because God had shown me what to do. I don't think I would have ever thought of dividing those appointments. But she really was exhausted when she finished even the work on the upper teeth. It was far better for her to change the appointment and do the other tooth in November. Sometimes... You'll force yourself to go through something that you shouldn't go through. If you dread it, turn to God, hear from God. Or if you're making a change in your life, you must be sure that God has authored that change. And it's that it's not just something out of your own mind or the mind of other humans. Because your anchor is in what God says about the situation. If you hear what to do, even on something as simple as this was, if you hear what to do and you know it's God, you have an anchor for your soul. When I fell at my house in Texas, in 2018, I broke a left hip and a very badly dislocated a left wrist. As they were rolling me past the front door of my house, I heard these words, which I knew to be from God. You'll never see this house again. From the hospital, I put the house up for sale, and one of our church people said, I just don't see how you can do that. And I said, but I heard from God. I'd never see this house again. That was all I said. See, if you've heard from God, and you believe you've heard from God, that ends it. There is no wisdom or counsel against the word from God. That's in Proverbs. If you have a word from God, it's over. No discussion. It's over. You simply do what you've heard. And you have complete peace. If you have any form of dread, or fear, then you just don't have what you need to anchor your soul. You better go back to God and pray and ask him what you're supposed to do and how to do it. 
how to make it work. So I know that is the subject for today that God gave me for you. Fear, dread are both signs that you're not stable. You have not heard from God. Go back and ask him what you are to do about the situation. This portion of the podcast is the story of a snake swallowing whole one of our church group. God showed it to me through an open vision. It was a very big, giant, prehistoric snake, about five times the size of a big alligator. This church woman was halfway into the snake's mouth. She was already one half swallowed up to her waist. Only her legs were out of the snake's mouth. Then she completely disappeared into the snake's belly. She was swallowed whole like Jonah. The snake was licking his lips like a satisfied dog after eating. Then the snake had turned around and was wagging the tip of his tail. And that was the end of the open vision. This woman is surrounded by unbelievers. It's interesting because the snake was five times the size of a big alligator. And there are five unbelievers who are going to be surrounding her very soon. The husband, the son, the daughter, the son-in-law, and the granddaughter. She has no one around her but unbelievers. She's even going to be moving into the home of her adult-aged son, his condominium. He's twice divorced, is not married at the current time. She and her husband are moving in there, and I said, there's one thing I'd like to know, and that is, how did this come about? And she said, he invited us. The son invited us. I didn't hear a word said about God. Not like, and God showed us to go ahead and do this. It's an incredibly risky situation, although I was rejoicing when I first heard it because definitely their house is too big for them now where they live. They have property around it. Her husband is not able to keep it up anymore. She's not even able to keep it up anymore. They're both in their 70s. Just recently, June 11th approximately, her husband had a very bad kidney stone attack. They couldn't get a doctor's appointment, 
And I guess the medical people said the only thing you can do is take him to ER. So they took him to ER. They gave him pain medicine and sent him home. The next email I got is he was taken back a second time that day to ER. And I think they put him in the hospital after that. But they didn't treat him for the kidney stone. They treated him for two minor strokes and a little, I think she said, heart trouble. He had fallen twice just around the time he had this kidney stone attack. He had fallen twice, and they said the falls were due to small strokes. So they were treating him for the stroke condition, but no one, to my knowledge, ever checked on this kidney stone problem. When they dismissed him around the end of June, I guess it was, when they dismissed him, he couldn't get an appointment with a urologist to check the kidney stone until much later in the month. Her adult-aged daughter is a pharmacist, I think, and she was able to get him an earlier appointment. When the urologist met with him, he said the kidney stone was too large to pass. They would have to operate on him and break up the kidney stone. But they could not operate because they didn't have an operating room and they couldn't get one until the 20th of July. So he had to wait all that time to the 20th of July. And they were giving him pain medicine to control pain. Now she was under a lot of stress, but she brought forth two very strange doctrines that are not doctrines of Christ. During that stressful time, she prayed for her husband's salvation. She told God what a good man he was, what a good husband he had been. He's not the father of these two children. He is the stepfather, but he'd been very good in their marriage. She told God what a good man he had been to his mother, extraordinarily kind. And I realized she is preaching a doctrine of works, and no man's worthy. And God said, send her Revelation 5, which I did, which says no man's worthy, but Jesus is worthy because he died for our sins. Our salvation's not based on the doctrine of works in the New Testament. It is based upon the fact of our belief in Jesus Christ and his blood that he has shed for us. After that, we want to serve God, and we perhaps build up credit with God by our works toward rewards in heaven, but we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. When I shared that with her, she said, of course. So apparently she believed Revelation 5. In another email, she began praising the physical therapist, incredibly praising him. 
he had gotten her husband to learn how to climb stairs. And I could just see her hope in the physical therapist and that this was her hope now. And I sent her the scripture, Bodily exercise profiteth little, says the Apostle Paul. I've gone by that scripture ever since I was a believer and saw the scripture. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I've had, I don't know, three, four physical therapists while I was in hospitals recovering from surgery twice. I never put my hope for recovery in physical therapists. I didn't know if I would live or die. God would decide that. I liked the personality of the physical therapist. I thought they were kind of quirky and funny. And I sort of enjoyed talking to them, but I didn't have any hope in what they were doing with me. God's in charge of that. One of the therapists, when they dismissed me on that first hospital, he said to me, Now, Joan, the main thing that our patients tend to do when they go home is they overdo their exercise and end up back in the hospital. So I'm warning you, don't overdo the exercise. And then he looked at me and said, I don't have to tell you that, do I? And we both laughed. No, you don't. Because basically, if it hurts, I don't do it. And many people think you have to press on. He even said, if it hurts, don't do it. I have a respect for physical therapists. But I don't worship them. I don't think my hope of recovery is in a physical therapist. I will either live or die based on what God wants. I'll walk or not walk based upon what God does. My hope and praise is in God and thankfulness. The physical therapist I had after I moved to Colorado Springs, I really liked her. She's from England and we could talk about World War II. She wasn't born at that time, but her relatives were. So I enjoyed visiting with her. The last thing I remember her telling me is this. She said, I used to think I was a pretty good physical therapist. But I decided the person either gets well or doesn't in time, and it's not caused by me. I said, well, now, one thing I do want to encourage you in. It's good that you can teach us how to use a cane, how to use a walker, how to negotiate obstacles in our house, the safest way to do those things, how to walk up some steps. So you do have a value, and your position is right, for God says bodily exercise profiteth little. And you have come to the position that God wrote about in the Bible. Well, here I'm seeing this 
church woman that's a member of our church group going the opposite way. Now, why would she do that? Because she wants her husband to get well and be able to do the things he did before he had these two strokes and fell. And she sees an improvement as a result of the physical therapy, so she's hoping for them to teach him so he can get restored. But he'll never be back where he was. He's 70-something. Instead, you have to focus your hope in God. That's your only hope, really. God, the Word of God, what God said. So I warned her about this physical therapy worshiping that she was doing. I saw what she was doing. I warned her about it. It's like she's taking on doctrines of the world and failing to hold on to the doctrines of Christ. Many times I read that bodily exercise prophetess little scripture as I was holding on to what I believed, which was Bible. You have to hold on to the Bible when you are around unbelievers who don't have the Bible. Romans 12, 2, Be not conformed to this world, says Paul. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. I took that scripture and kept it before me many times, and I went back to it over and over when I felt that it was slipping away from me. I set myself to believe that scripture rather than believe physical therapy or the recovery of my body after I broke hips two times in two separate falls. 1 Timothy 4, 8. You can choose what you believe. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I don't believe this woman in our church group responded after I sent that scripture to her, but perhaps she did. I don't remember. But one thing I know, she is being swallowed by a giant snake, actually has already been swallowed by a giant snake. And that giant snake is Satan, and it is the doctrines of this world that's eating her alive that are presented by unbelievers she's surrounded by. And we'll be surrounded even more by these unbelievers. I've communicated all of this to her by email. King Solomon was the wisest of all men. His downfall is he did something God told him not to do. Twice God warned him that these strange women from other nations would turn his heart away from God, and that's exactly what they did. And that is in 1 Kings chapter 11. And because of that, God set a penalty upon Solomon. He would divide the kingdom 
from Solomon, leaving one nation with the children of Judah, and the other eleven would go to the nation of Israel. And it says in 1 Kings 11, For Solomon loved many strange women. And it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. All scripture and all the things that happen in the Old Testament are given to admonish us, warn us. That's First uh, Corinthians ten eleven. It says that Solomon went after Astoroth, the goddess of the Zidonites, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. You can't be around these people and believe their sayings like the weather's caused by the climate change that's caused by gasoline engines. That's nonsense. Psalm 148, it's God who controls the weather. Genesis 8, toward the end of the chapter, it tells us, as long as the earth remains, There will be seed time and harvest, summer and winter, heat and cold, as long as the earth remains. Now the time will come after the great tribulation, the judgment of God after that, and during it, when things change, when the sun goes dark in the middle of the day, when the angel pours out his vial on the sun, And great heat comes upon the earth. It says after that happens, men blaspheme God and curse God for the heat. It's a judgment of God upon the world and the apostate churches who have cast aside scripture in order to walk in other ways and approve members of their congregation, and let them marry divorced women, and let the women divorce and remarriage, casting aside a bunch of scripture. That's an apostate church. And we have many apostate churches today who have cast aside scripture to approve sin, to approve things that Jesus said were sin that Paul said were sin, that the New Testament Bible says are sin. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, watchful, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith the faith in God, the faith in the Holy Bible, the Word of God. Here's a letter I wrote to the woman in our church group. Last night I became devastated with fear over you. This letter was written 7-26-2023. 
I know you were the person being swallowed by that giant prehistoric snake in the open vision. I'd already sent her an email about that. This shows you're being surrounded by unbelievers, even living with them close up in the same house, swallowed up with the thinking of this world. See, she would have to resist all these doctrines that are against God. She might have to resist them openly and say, that's not what the Bible says. She has to make her belief strong in the Word of God because she's going to hear many things and see many things that are opposite to the doctrines of Christ. I even told her in a note, I said, now, what do you think you're going to do if your son brings in a woman and to have fornication? How are you going to handle that? She's going to move into his house. She and her husband are going to move into her son's house. He has prepared the master bedroom for them because they'll have more room there. There are already handicapped bars in the bathroom. So they're going to move in there. He's going to move into a guest room. What are you going to do if this son brings in a woman to have sex? He's a twice-divorced man. She wants to believe that he'll be saved and is going to be saved, but I don't think she's heard from God to that effect. She did have a dream from God that her husband was reading the Bible. After that, she preached a doctrine of works to God of how he deserved to be saved because of his works. I reminded her of another one of his works that I know about and her works. She became pregnant by him. He was her second husband after a divorce. She became pregnant and he wanted her to have an abortion. She said she did not want to have an abortion. En route to having the abortion, now she wasn't born again at that time, but en route to having the abortion, she was hoping he would change his mind and say he didn't want the abortion. He wanted to keep the child. He did not call her. They did have the abortion, killed and murdered their own child. And she said, I know he was a son. I never could understand why this man didn't want his own son. He was real good, apparently, in taking care of her two children by another man. But he didn't want his own son. Made no sense to me. There are obviously many good things that he's done, but he's also done that. So keep it balanced. Keep it clear in your mind. The devil will try to lie to you and tell you these things. It's like her heart is being eaten up by the world and their doctrines. And her heart and soul seem to be tied up in the world. There was a time when she really liked to hear things of God. I've been around her, I think, 40 years. I noticed that it got to the point that when I talked about God, she really just kind of stayed silent until I quit talking. But if I talked about a fine actress, she jumped in and joined me and told me their biography and told me things about them I didn't even know. Her heart 
moved to the world. In this letter to her, I said to her, I prayed that you would have eternal life, but I know you won't have a good life the way this is developing and that you're not going to God, but you're just doing worldly wisdom, your own ideas, the ideas of the people around you. So unless you strongly learn to take everything to God and get his plan in the midst of this life, as it is surrounded daily by unbelievers, I know you will not have a good life at the end. You're going to have to be much stronger in God, clinging to God, holding on to God, similar to the way Jacob wrestled the angel and wouldn't let him go until he blessed Jacob. You have to hold on to these scriptures. You have to work toward your salvation after you're saved, after you're born again. For Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, here's what Jesus says. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Your name can be blotted out of the book of life. But I prayed for her last night that that wouldn't happen, that she would be saved to eternity, all eternity. And I kept being reminded of what Jesus said to Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Luke 22 31-32. I was reminded of this many times, along with that vision of her being swallowed by that snake. And also, I was reminded of how Jonah was swallowed by a whale because he went the opposite way from the way of God. And finally, God had the whale spit Jonah out of his mouth. And then Jonah chose to go in the way of God. To each of us it comes down to this. Which do we love more? Those people and things of this world or truth of God and the word of God? Which do we love more? Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.